0: Hello, and welcome to episode 2 of the Fishnets and Phantoms podcast with your host, Amy Shofsrain. Let's get things started with some news. Alright, in Back from the Dead news, it turns out that Sony, in honor of the 40th anniversary of its iconic Walkman player, is going to be releasing a new edition. The price of the edition is not available at the time of this recording, but it is going to be a similar-sized music player and will have several new high-end processors, also one that replicates a vinyl, and it will have a battery life of 26 hours, which is much longer than the former Walkman players. Okay, now moving on to news of the body. Dem bones, dem bones, them scaredy, scaredy bones. I know Halloween is a time to be scared of of ghosts and goblins and skeletons, but it turns out that your bones themselves are the beginning of fear. According to a new study at Columbia University Irvine Medical Center, it is not adrenaline that is solely responsible for the body's flight or fright response. It seems, according to this new study, that in creatures with a skeletal system, when they are faced with danger, the brain instructs the skeleton to flood the body with the hormone osteocalcin, which activates the flight or fright response in the body. It seems that our bones protect us in more ways than just with physical support. In studies where mice were genetically modified to not produce osteocalcin, they had no reaction to common stressors, such as predator urine. But, however, when they were injected with osteocalcin, they again responded to the situation with acute stress. Hopefully it wasn't the stress of the needles. Poor mice. There is a new book by author Peter Laws. Peter Laws is a Baptist minister who has written several fiction books and is a fan of the horror genre. His new book, The Frighteners, explores the motives of people who are attracted to horror media. He talks about his lifelong love of the horror genre and why some people are attracted to the macabre more than others. The book also includes many humorous anecdotes and speaks of his trip to Transylvania with his wife for their anniversary. He explores the idea that perhaps horror media gives humans a safe way to confront our mortality without being in actual personal danger. It is published by Icon Books and is available at Amazon Books or your local bookstore. Please visit your local bookstore. We need more of them. They are wonderful places to go and spend some hours leafing through the books and smelling the wonderful smells of paper. Finally, moving on to media. Are you Mary I hope the answer to that question is no, unless of course your name just happens to be Mary This question comes up quite a bit and to great effect in the new series by Netflix, Mary It is an eight episode horror series from Netflix and Imprinte Digitale and Federation. It is directed by Samuel Bodin and the stars of Victoria Dubois. It is also written by Samuel Bowden and kwok Dan Trang. Look for a very eerie performance by Mireille Herbstmeyer as Madame Dongeron. Her performance is exquisitely terrifying. The plot has to do with a famous horror author, Emma Larsemane, She is confronted by her estranged friend and told that characters that she has created in her book have broken loose into the real world of her hometown. The main character, Lizzie Rillerack, is the only one who could save them. Unfortunately, since Lizzie Rillerack is fiction, it is up to Emma. The series uses Hitchcockian devices and never quite shows the terrors that abound. However... The terrors are rendered in practical effects, which is quite refreshing in an age of no, nearly pure CGI movies and television shows. However, that said, the practical effects, when slowed down and seen in screen, screen by screen, are not quite as terrifying as perhaps a CGI creature would be. They, use, they lose a lot of their terror, sort of like the masks that are quickly shown in Exorcist. They're quite terrifying on the original scene, but bearing examination, not quite as much. So, Hopefully Netflix will release a season two soon. It has not been greenlit yet, but we can always hope that there will be a return for Marianne. All right, let's get to the good stuff. In honor of the spooky season, as promised, I have a personal ghost story for you. My story has to do with a time in my life when I had just started the job that I now work at at a large university. We were in a building that housed many conferences and also was a dorm. Now, this building and all many of the other buildings on campus had been repurposed from older buildings. This one particular building had at one time been a YMCA, and I tell you that because there was a story that goes along with that building of a resident ghost. Towards the back of the building, there is a large, possibly Olympic-sized swimming pool, and there is a legend that... A young boy drowned in the pool and now haunts the place doing little mischievous acts like... Um, dropping someone's towel in the water or splashing the water when there's no one around to be doing it. This ghost story is somewhat controversial because there, is, there was really no time when young people were around the pool by themselves, and there's no record of any boys drowning in the pool at any time, or anyone else for that matter. Anyways, this story doesn't have to do with that little boy. It has everything to do with my lunch. So, after the meeting that I was in, I went to the cafeteria and got a tumbler of, I think, chocolate milk and a sandwich for lunch, actually, and put it down on my table, which was near the large glass windows at the front of the cafeteria. I ate my lunch and started reading the novel that I had brought with me, but when, to my surprise, as soon as I had picked up the book... Over the top of the pages, I could see the tumbler start moving on its own across the table. Well, of course, this startled me, and I put the paper back down and looked at the tumbler to see if it would continue moving. It, of course, had stopped when I was fully observed. I picked up the tumbler and examined it because I know that If the bottom is wet, there can be some movement as there's a disconnection between the table surface and the tumbler surface. But the bottom of the tumbler was completely dry. I looked around the room to see if there was any particular vibrations or something that would move the glass, and I didn't see anything, just people enjoying their lunches. And I tried moving the table to see if it was at an angle or was somehow jogged in order to get the glass to move. It did none of those things. So I returned to my novel, thinking that I probably misseen seeing the tum- movement of the tumbler somehow. However, as soon as I had forgotten about the tumbler and gotten well into my book, again, I saw it start to glide along the table. This time I put my book down and listened to see if there was any buses going by while watching the tumbler to see if that perhaps was the cause of the movement. No, nothing. Just a very active tumbler. Apparently, my beverage really needed some exercise, or to be exercised. Um, I don't have any explanations as to why the tumbler decided that it needed to go about its merry way that day, but I like to think that it was possibly a sign from my recently deceased mother, trying to perhaps cheer me up because I was worried about a financial problem at the time. Alright, so there is my tiny ghost story. I have several more, and the university itself has several more. I'm not going to name the university right now for privacy reasons. Perhaps I will in the future if I change my mind. Alright, well I'm going to try to have more personal ghost stories in the future. And I would also like to highlight yours. Please send any ghost stories that you have in to the Fishnets and Phantoms podcast on Facebook. We also have a page that is dedicated to the podcast. And you can find us at either place. All right. Hopefully we will see you soon. And until then, good night.